Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Teo Podcast, the Pandemic Press. And today um, we have a doctor. He has been studying medicine his entire life and he has now retired. His name is Dr. Robert Yoho, who has uh, actually studied in the allopatric medicine field. So he's an MD. And today he's going to expose... Um, all the corruptions that be that has been occurring in the pharmaceutical industry, and I hope you enjoy this. And also know that um, I will be providing all the links you need to know, all the details you know of what's happening out with the vaccine, and what are the effects, and help you break it down into bits. So you can understand um, what's it doing to you. Uh, I practice medicine for practically my whole life. I'm 68 now. I retired a couple of years ago and devoted myself to research and uh, understanding healthcare corruption. And I published a couple of books about that. One was called Butchered by Healthcare. That's a very dramatic very dramatic title. And the other is about hormone secrets, which is about how helpful uh, bioidentical hormones are. And I understand that you guys are doing hormones much better in France than we do in America. In other words, they're offered to women and you have access to, uh, you know, when it's accepted to use uh, the bioidentical hormones. But this hormone story is another pharma corruption story where the FDA has colluded with uh, pharma to keep these things uh, regulated and and to frighten physicians and patients away from them using these black box warnings. So and so my uh, my story is that I'm I'm an author now. I'm I'm not practicing anymore, and uh, I'm going on podcasts daily. And I became I became exceedingly concerned about the COVID and the vaccine and the concealed therapeutics story, and it it seems like the worst nightmare that we've faced in medicine uh, in my lifetime. Yeah, uh, because it has never happened uh, in other previous pandemics. I think this is the first time this has, this has happened. And that's why I quite questioned every procedure that was uh, taking place. And I, I don't know, at 2020, I was like absolutely certain that they would mandate the vaccines. And like, a, uh, like it took like eight months and they did. And that, yeah. that's when every like the med- medical uh, profession, people in the medical profession started going on strike and then protests started. So that did that. They did that in France because yeah. we weren't aware of that so much over here. Every everyone's a, a sheep over over here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let me just uh, set the stage for this thing. Uh, so your listeners can understand how this whole insanity could have possibly be and why the lies are getting passed around. So let me just explain 
a few facts that are well understood by people in the hospital, even by the janitors, right? So obviously the kids should not get the vaccine. That's, I, there are some estimates that there are a hundred times the fatalities for kids from the vaccine than for, from COVID itself. And pregnant women shouldn't get the shot either because- oh, People with weak uh, immune systems, you're saying? Yeah. What's that? Weak immune systems. Well, no, I don't make any specific, uh, you know, uh, I don't have any specific ideas about why, but it does seem that pregnant women uh, get many spontaneous abortions. And some of the studies have shown 80% spontaneous abortions when pregnant women get the, get the uh, jab. Uh, the third thing is that everybody knows by now, and if they haven't, they've been living under a rock that once you have had COVID, you have a high degree of immunity. And this, this is not conferred by the vaccine. And you're, you have immunity to the new variants as well. So everyone in the hospitals understands this and how anyone in America could uh, go along with the whole agenda is, is just stuns me. So I have to explain how the money goes around. That's sort of the bottom line with a lot of stuff. And so what we, we've done in America, and of course, France to a lesser degree, is we rained money on the healthcare system. But in America, we, our players have been so greedy that we now spend twice per person, twice per capita, what any other developed country spends. You guys spend 10% of the, your gross domestic product. We spend 20. Canada, Australia, UK, 10% of the gross domestic product. Now, in America, the total is now $4 trillion spent on healthcare. This is the same size as our federal government spending. So it's enormously influential. These guys dominate the lobbies in our Congress and Senate, and they basically run the show completely. So despite all this, 50% of what we do is either damaging or ineffective. 50% of all healthcare. And I'll just wrap your head around that. That's not controversial. You can find that in many, many publications. So pharmaceutical companies, for example, they violate more criminal laws than any industry in history as measured by their federal prosecutions and settlements with U.S. federal prosecutors, billions of dollars a year. I mean, it's just, it's stunning. It's on Wikipedia. You can go to Wikipedia page uh, just by searching for, uh, you know, settlements, pharmaceutical companies. So just to give you an idea of what some of the sophisticated opinions are about these guys, Peter Rost, who was a former Pfizer marketing vice president, he said the following, and I, I'm into quotes, so you're going to have to forgive me my quotes. It's scary how many similarities there are between this industry and the mob, obscene amounts of money, killings and deaths, bribing politicians and others. The difference is all these people in the drug industry look upon themselves as law-abiding citizens. However, when they get together as a group, it's almost like when you have war atrocities. People do things they don't think they're capable of because the group can validate what they're doing as okay. And this is from his book, The Whistleblower. There's another quote that I'm, I'm going to use that is from Harry Lloyd, who was the Park Davis pharmaceutical CEO who was responsible for chloramphenicol. And since you're a medical student, you know exactly what that is, don't you? It's, a, it's an antibiotic that caused aplastic anemia and killed a lot of kids. So he said, 
if we put horse manure in a capsule, we could sell it to 95% of these doctors. So that's what their attitude is towards the doctors and the patients. And that drug only went off. Uh, it only stopped. He only stopped promoting it once it went off patent and became less profitable. So the FDA is another piece of the puzzle. And over in Britain, it's called the NICE, NICE, right? It's a, a regulatory agency. I don't know what it is in France. But the FDA in the U.S. is entirely a creature of pharma since the early 2000s when they began to be paid directly by the corporations through these user fees, which are fees incurred during the patent process. So they basically began to regard pharma as a client rather than an entity to be regulated. And they've turned into another lackey in the pharmaceutical company's marketing department. So currently, if the FDA doesn't approve a drug, sometimes it may have trouble making payroll. Can you imagine? So <laughs> this story gets worse. Go ahead. You have a question? Yes. Uh, the thing is that I didn't know about this side. It just I just came to realization that something is wrong only during COVID-19, the pandemic when it was happening. Only I realized that there was something going wrong. You're, you're a suspicious woman, and <laughs> you have reason to be suspicious. So I've got worse news for you. The FDA and pharma working together have shamelessly allowed fakery of most of the studies in the major medical journals. The BMJ is probably the best. They, they, they have the least problem. But um, here's another quote. And this hopefully just adds credibility. Peter Gercha, who you've heard of, he's one of the founders of Cochrane Reviews, which is the most respected source in medicine. He wrote, the pervasive scientific misconduct has led to a research literature where one has to dig deeply to find the few gems among all the garbage. So what he was talking about was statistical manipulation, hiding studies that don't permit, promote drug marketing, use of contract research groups in you know, uh, third world countries, and many, many, many other frauds. And your listeners are sophisticated. So let me just do a couple footnotes. Ben Goldacre's book, Bad Pharma, which was published over 10 years ago, talks about this extensively. And the BMJ editorial from July 2021 was titled, Time to Assume That Health Research is Fraudulent Until Proven Otherwise. So this is widely known. So the story gets worse. The medical journals, even the most prestigious ones, the top five, are almost entirely in the service of the medical industry. So 95% of their articles are written by corporate ghostwriters now. And the editors, who should be the scientific re referees, they're paid directly tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars each directly by the pharmaceutical companies. So <laughs> forgive me my quotes, but I like Cicero, right? Cicero said, Nothing is so strongly fortified that it cannot be taken with money. So right now, we've got this thing called conflict of interest declaration, which you've heard of, and it's, it's basically permitting an outrage. And what, what they do in medicine is at the end of the article or the medical standards declaration, the authors declare their conflict of interest. And since everyone is paid by industry, everyone has these conflict of interest and declaring the conflict of, of interest is supposed to clean the filth from a process where people are essentially bought. 
So in government or law in America, theoretically, payoffs like these could result in firing or criminal prosecution, but in healthcare, it's ignored. So let me give you some ideas about easily seen frauds in published manuscripts, right? So in the recent COVID vaccine papers, there were obvious omissions. The hospitalization rate, which is it's the second most vital metric after fatalities, were often omitted. And so one of my sophisticated friends who read all these articles, he said, Bob, he said, I think the vaccine probably does some good, but I can't really tell because I haven't seen the data. I prefer another interpretation, and that is that someone who has lied repeatedly to, to me can never be trusted again. And these pharmaceutical companies, they virtually all have huge, I mean, hundreds of millions to billions of dollars in criminal settlements. The best known ones that are spear, spearheading these, uh, uh, this attack of the vaccine, uh, they've, they're some of the worst. Um, so um, if the vaccines had a, benef had a benefit, they would have given us all the facts. So we've got this uh, data bank in America called the VAERS system, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. And we now have 17,000 reported deaths. Now, you're probably well aware that in the past, all other vaccines have been essentially taken from the market after 50 deaths. But something very, very odd is going on. And the VAERS system is thought to be underreported by a factor of at least three, at least three and perhaps five or 10 times. The, we now have over 800,000 reported complications with the vaccines. We have 80,000, roughly 80,000 hospitalizations, and we have these deaths, which are probably around 100,000. So go ahead, and if you've got questions, uh, shoot them at me, but I can go ahead with the presentation yeah. if you'd like. So uh, like I wanted to ask you, um, the misinformation that is spread and uh, confusion that is happening online, we have to... Tell, tell the viewers the, uh, what, what exactly is true because, yeah. it, because some, sometimes um, I, like I, I felt like this happened especially with me. I was telling something bad about the vaccine and people just labeled it as misinformation without knowing the truth. It's like they would rather label a lie as the truth than, and that's what I did not understand. It's like I'm giving you like this is this is true information. This is what is happening. These are from the approved sites. Even FDA, they have like a, a list of side effects shown. Yes. So that's the most that's the most puzzling part of the story for people that are exposed to it the first time. Is why are there? Why is the is the big narrative that this stuff works? It is a true vaccine, and uh, they, that's what they say. Um, so. I, uh, <laughs> the pharmaceutical company's standard operating procedure is to create a wall of lies and distortion and the sophisticated observers. And I count myself one for four years, since I've become uh, more knowledgeable about this, um, have recognized this sort of behavior for 20 years. I mean, these guys just create thousands and hundreds of thousands of, I mean, fake stories about this and that. They, they create these studies that are essentially faked 
and they create news uh, releases and all this crazy stuff. And it's biased. Is, the news what? is biased. It's showing only one view. What's that? The news, the news reporters normally they write articles that are completely biased. Everybody is bought off by this enormous industry. I mean, if you just think about the size of it, I mean, it's it's such a wild scene in America. We have these tech companies that two of them alone, their market capitalizations or their total value is the same size as the federal government's expenditures a, a year, you know, Apple and uh, Google. So, so, so we've got this wall of lies and distortion that is, uh, you know, it's a standard, it's a standard thing for, for these uh, drugs. And in fact, um, disease mongering, which is what they're doing writ large, it's a phenomenal amount of it's a it's it's disease mongering on a scale that we've never seen before that horrors of covid and uh, getting everybody afraid of this thing uh but as i'll show in a in a few minutes um covid is essentially a nothing if the proper therapies are used early right um so let let me tell you my covid story and that is i was trapped in a uh country with with closed borders and i kind of watched this thing uh from afar and i when i first heard that the vaccine had 90 to 95 percent efficacy i thought it was a joke because i knew that the industry's primary vaccine money makers over the past 20 years were nearly useless you can go to cochrane reviews and read about the influenza vaccine and judge for yourself whether that has any significant utility in ex exchange for the 100 billion plus that we've spent on it worldwide i mean it's just it's crazy and the human papillomavirus vaccine which you've had i'm sure it's you it's used ubiquitously in the us and europe um that stuff was rejected completely by Japan. And the reason was that half the studies were concealed by the pharmaceutical company developing it, which currently it's legal for them to do it because they, in theory, they own the studies, but you know, we pay them with our healthcare dollars to do the studies and then they're allowed to do whatever they want with it. So, so go ahead. I just want to ask you one more thing, like how accurate do you think the PCR test for a, a new disease like COVID-19 is? Well, this has been, uh, they're, they're not, they're never designed to diagnose the disease. And in fact, um, incidence is, you know, incidence or uh, uh, relative, you know, these, uh, this idea of uh, diagnosing cases is, is ridiculous. Um, the only metrics that work are uh, fatalities and possibly hospitalization rate. Um, the many other diseases have been promoted by big pharma and a, uh, you know, disease cures have been promoted by big pharma and a, and a uh, cooperative FDA, uh, such as cancer, uh, certain kinds of cancer, where they have allowed therapies in uh, because of tumor shrinkage or other surrogate endpoints. So now we're getting into a little more sophisticated area. I'm not sure whether you're audiences, primarily medical students, or whether it's a uh, uh, layman, but this yeah. may be too far into the weeds. Uh, make it simple. Like. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I always believe in simple. And I was able to write down my second book to the ninth grade level, even though it contains technical information. That's my hormone secrets book. The, this uh, Butchered by Healthcare is written at uh, 11th grade level, which is a little harder, but it originally started out postgraduate. I had to write it over and over. 
so we haven't even heard the bad story. And then I'll tell why the thing is getting such um, insane opposition and crazy uh, lying, adverse publicity. The worst story, I mean, see this, first of all, you have to understand, and I know you know, that the vaccine is the most profitable drug in history. It, this is something that has to be given in theory. That's what they say to everyone once, twice, three times, who knows how many times to everybody in the world. It's crazy. And it makes the psychiatrists look like amateurs. And they've got, in America, we've got 17% of the populace on their toxic psych drugs that have never been subjected to. Most of them, they, the, if there are double-blind placebo-controlled trials, they're very poor, and they're based on uh, anecdotes and surveys and psychiatry opinions. But, so they're, they're amateurs compared to these vaccine people. So, but I haven't even told you the bad story. The, the bad story, which I'm sure you're aware of, is that we have inexpensive treatments for COVID that work and they're being suppressed. It's just, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my medical lifetime. Um, so I've never, I, I was completely red-pilled about this thing only about four months ago when I discovered that these, these medications, and I it wasn't even available to me until four months ago. I finally just ran across some uh, links and I understood that these, we had 60 plus studies on ivermectin and we had 250 studies on hydroxychloroquine and we faced this wall of lies and fake studies and studies where they used the wrong dose. Uh, and I, I was aware of studies like this from my um, uh, research on thyroid, where these pharma companies trying to promote Synthroid, the synthetic T4, uh, used doses of porcine thyroid that were inadequate and compared them. But that's minor league stuff compared to this. I mean, these, these, so, so anyway, um, we've got all this defamation of the, the study, the, the study of the uh, medications that work. And uh, basically, it's part of their academic literature. Now it's Google is part of the censoring cabal, obviously with their YouTube and their original motto was do no evil, right? Yeah. They changed their motto. <laughs> they're, they're honest people, you know, but they're, they're a center of a censoring cabal that seems like it's attacking our most precious uh, first amendment. So obviously pharma's paying everybody off. Um, and, uh, the reason why they're so vociferous or so aggressive about their narrative is that if they admit that drugs work for this treatment, it's illegal to market experimental therapies, right? Yeah. So, and uh, also this vaccine uh, that um, is is very it's like it's like an experiment when they released it without uh, doing. Um, the long-term, uh, because the long-term effects are really unknown. And uh, yeah. there, there is also, like, people also say that there's a possibility that uh, the vaccine can um, can cause an anaphylactic shock onto some patients as well. Is it true or false? Oh, I think that's, uh, clearly, a lot of people have dropped dead on the spot. Right. And so uh, there, I don't think it could be anything but anaphylaxis. It certainly doesn't seem like it's any, any component of the uh, uh, active, uh, but maybe, I mean, who knows? I, I, so truth out, which is a, 
I think it's truthout.org is a web, a Ralph Nader website, and they um, attempt to um, evaluate drugs and the safety of drugs. And they are recommend, their recommendation is it's never to use any drug until eight years after its release, because the post-marketing stuff is what really determines what, what the drug's all about. The initial studies are often distorted. So the trouble with these companies and everyone else in this narrative now, I don't think they set out, okay, so this, the medications that work probably would save 85% of the people who died. Now just wrap your head around that for a second. In America alone, we've had 700,000 plus deaths. So it would have saved, saved in excess of 500,000 people if they were deployed early. You know, maybe that's not possible, but it's hundreds of thousands of people in the U.S. alone. So these, these companies are so deep into this lie and they're so deep into the atrocities that they cannot back down. They, their, their only chance of not getting tried and hung uh, is to keep everybody fooled. So it's just, it's just so bald face, bare face that I, I mean, it's, it's stunning over here. And I, I understand from just talking to you <clears throat> that you have people standing up in France that are a little more powerful. Yeah. Is that, uh, yeah. And uh, like, I want to tell you that the first time I uh, was kind of against the vaccines, like I had friends who are like doctors and stuff, they were going against me. And then uh, a year later, it was kind of ironic that they came back to my side after that. Good for you. Yeah. I don't think <clears throat> we have a lot. That we, we, I have show notes for you that will substantiate everything we're talking about. And it's it's credible. And but it's hard to find this stuff because we are facing a wall of propaganda. And I think it was Lenin who said a, a lie repeated often enough becomes the truth. I mean, and we're facing people that are willing to um, do anything for a buck or their agendas. And what's going on in the world is a complicated story. And I don't think we're going to solve it today. But this seems to be only one part of an experiment in social control. And Australia is the tip of the spear here. I mean, I'm in contact with friends there who tell me these horrifying stories and send me links. And it's hard to find those links. So I try to distribute that stuff and I can send it to you if you're interested. Yeah, I am. <laughs> send it to me. <laughs> so another part of the story is the oddest thing. And um, this is, the whole thing seems like science fiction to me. I read a lot of science fiction as a kid and I sometimes think I've got an overactive imagination, but um Peter Bregan, who is, was a psychiatric whistleblower in America until the last two years when he started becoming quite concerned about COVID, wrote a book called Global Predators, which we can reference in the show notes. And he found all these links that led back to the Chinese Communist Party. And your listeners may or may not be aware that Fauci, who is the head of this hugely powerful department that funds research in the United States. Um, he funded the Wuhan lab, which developed, or at least aided in the development of this, this uh, virus, and which the Chinese party eventually released on their own populace and encouraged it spread around the world. 
And so I, you, I don't expect you to take that on faith from me. Uh, read um, Global Predators and see what you think. But there's an enormous amount of documentary evidence. And we have a defector eyewitness who is an MD, PhD, who is speaking in America now about the whole thing. And she, uh, she worked in the labs where the virus was created. And um, our collaboration is the strangest part of the story. It's probably against international treaty. And uh, I mean, I'm just inarticulate. I mean, it's just, it's an outrage that Obama actually tried to turn the whole effort off and Fauci routed the money through Europe to Wuhan. And it's all established with emails and documentary evidence. Fauci may have distributed. The reason why that guy's still there is he's so powerful. He, uh, there are some estimates that he has distributed a T trillion dollars worth of money from his, you know, his agencies, which is, I mean, that's incomprehensible to me. I think that has to be an exaggeration, but, but he's, he has, he has all the researchers, so many of the researchers under his control. And uh, basically they have to listen and follow his uh, instructions. I I'm just, I think I'm incredulous that he's still there, let alone why he isn't in a prison cell. So do you, uh, what about the spike proteins? Do you know any of the science? Uh, in Okay. In okay. So here's, about. Here's my degree of sophistication, which is not super high. I'm not into the weeds about this, but I do know that the Operation Warp Speed, OWS, was a cluster. Okay, you know what that means in slang? It was, it was a mess, and it was done rapidly. Uh, they, put, they threw this thing together. They put it on the market because they knew how profitable it would be. And the, the theorists who think that um, the people that have been vaccinated already are are uh, saddled with something like thalidomide you know about thalidomide thalidomide was a drug that was widely marketed in europe and it came to the united states and was we were saved by a heroin fda uh woman who wor worked there and said we're not having this in the united states but we nonetheless saw cases of of missing fingers and fetuses and so thalidomide was something that caused problems much later for the when the women had babies we certainly have no clear evidence that COVID and the spike protein cause long-term damage. It, it has caused these many fatalities. It is hazardous, um, but the long-term damage, the possibilities are speculative because the thing has not been around that long. So there are also, there are conspiracy theorists who think that, um, you know, the thing controls is, it has electronics, <laughs> electronics in it. And of course, Operation Warp Speed was such a mess that we can't, we can't postulate that they produced the most sophisticated bioweapon in history in whatever it was, six months, or I don't know how long it, whatever it was, it lasted. And it was disorganized. And so I, I don't, I don't have anything specific to say about the ins and outs, except for I think the people that have had the virus, had the vaccine are probably okay, but I wouldn't hazard another injection if I were them. The first person I would draw your attention to is Peter McCullough. He has something like 1,600 peer, no, uh, 600 peer-reviewed studies in the, in the literature. And he's, he's basically the top of the academic heap. And 
he uh, he's got a couple of videos, one about the general background and one about the dangers of the vaccine, which are impressive. Um, now, your listeners should know if they, uh, maybe in France, you can get these therapies. <clears throat> but in America, and in some other places in the world, there's opposition to them. And it's sometimes it, in certain communities, it's hard to find a physician who will prescribe them. So, you know, we've got vitamin D, try to bring your vitamin D levels up to, um, you know, 60 to 100, which often requires uh, 5,000 to 10,000 international units a day. We've got ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And if if I was older, and I am older, <laughs> I'm 68, right? Um, I would have these medications in my uh, closet. And if I seemed to be getting sick and was diagnosed, you know, with one of those tests that don't work very well, I'd start taking the medicine because they're non-toxic. They've been given to billions, B billions of people, um, billions of doses. And they're, they're some of the, they're some of the most safe and most effective medications ever and ever invented. And they have fairly avid effects, especially when used in combination against viruses. Um, I would take zinc, uh, you know, and the dose is 50 to 220 milligrams and uh, you know a few other things, but the easiest way to understand it is to download the American Academy of Physicians and Surgeons Patient Guide. So your listeners, if they don't have time to look at the show notes, they can look at AAPS COVID. They can Google that, and it'll pop up, and they can download it. It's five or ten pages. It discusses the whole thing, and it's it's completely reliable. In America we've got this group called America's frontline doctors.org America's frontline doctors.org. And if you can't find local treatment, um, you can dial up one of their doctors and for 90 bucks, $90 us, um, they'll call in the medications for you and give you some help. So I've got links about ivermectin. Um, we've got, uh, the best podcast. I mentioned Peter Bregan, um, Robert Kennedy Jr. is a remarkable individual, and he's standing up against his background, which is progressive, and he's been thrown out by the um, left wing here, apparently, even though he, he, his family is central to the whole Democrat uh, thing. And he's got a very good lecture that I want you to include in your show notes about the erosion of our Constitution. Um, in America, we've had, we have this Bill of Rights, um, and all but the second has been, the Second Amendment has been uh, uh, damaged, or, or uh, so our, our ability to get proper trial, and being held without warrant, and all these other things, in addition to the damage of the free speech that has been uh, occurring with the, uh, with the um, tech industry. And you, these doctors, like, I, I just wanted to say, like, some doctors on one side and the other doctors are like, they, they have been divided of all sorts. And uh, I want to tell you, why is this happening? Like, um, when I was like, um, at the beginning of 2020, like, I was like, giving out all the notes that I've learned so far, um, like telling, um, like, this is what we learned. Why do you pretend that uh, this whole theory is forgotten when uh, uh, another doctor just approved it and just it's just 
um, in the media telling about only one side of the vaccine. Obviously, the definition is vaccine is supposed to help the disease, but in this case, what's wrong with it? What's happening? They, they changed the definition of vaccine to accommodate the fact that this conferred no immunity. I mean, it, it basically this thing, <clears throat> at best, it gives two to four months of decreased symptomatology if you get vaccinated, uh, which is outrageous. All the other vaccines produce decades of immunity in, in most cases. So, I mean, it's, it's a wild scene. The doctors are as susceptible to propaganda as anyone else, and maybe more so because we've been trained, <clears throat> we've been trained to believe our academic literature. We've been trained to think that the FDA which is completely now in the service of pharmaceutical marketing is, is useful and credible. We've been claimed, we've been trained to uh, believe the NIH national institutes of health and the world health organization were also uh, on the side of good science, but none of this is true. These, these organizations are putting out propaganda that matches with the rest of it. And it's in the service of marketing, these horrible drugs and denying the efficacy of the treatment, which is really the, the genocidal crime, uh, which is worse than marketing the marketing, the, the jab. Um, so it's hard for doctors to understand it because they, they basically, we've all been brought up to believe in our peers. We've all been brought up to believe and to fully wrap my head around this. It took, even though I had three years or four years of studying medical corruption, I didn't fully get the COVID thing until four months ago when I heard Peter McCullough do his, uh, you know, do his lectures. And it's, yeah. he's quite credible. I mean, he references everything. Yeah. And uh, um, it's like, it's like a waste of money. Like when you're a medical student, like uh, you, uh, your parents pay for the university. And then if you can't remember what you studied before and like use it, in the um, real world or use it in a practical way, what's the use of it? You know, I wanted to give my books away to every medical student in the, in the U.S. And I approached the medical student uh, group um, with Butchered by Healthcare. And, you know, I, I don't think anybody read it. I mean, this is all about, if I would have it. given, <laughs> I would have given anything to have this information as a uh, student, because I would, I'd understand what, what went on and be able to do what was right a little better. But we basically lost our patient first ethic in America and everything is going towards money. Yes. It's like, and it, these people are very easy to control. Like if you have noticed, like, I don't know, like I was, I was me speaking individually. I was a very difficult person to control, even within my family. It was really hard for, for them to control me. So uh, it's like I needed to have my own ways. Otherwise, I am not happy in my life. And I came into that uh, conclusion. And um, so when I was in the medical sector as well, I would question them like too far. Like I, I think uh, question all the doctors and every, everybody like too far. And um, during the COVID crisis, I felt like I wasn't there to question them even further. So I have a daughter just like you. <laughs> she doesn't listen to a thing I say. She has her own opinions. <laughs> that's, that's great, actually. That's autonomy. And uh, yeah, she's yeah. very she's the smartest one of us. 
and she, uh, you know, I don't think she sees through everything though. They've all gotten the vaccine. It's crazy. Um, now we could do a separate podcast on either of the other subjects after you get more interested in the healthcare corruption. I mean, that's, that's a amazing story all by itself. I know about the psychology part because like I tried to go to therapy and like they were prescribing like drugs and I just didn't want to go to therapy after that. And what I did was like, I went out and started exploring and going to nature and that's how I got myself back into the, back into my path actually. Those, Those drugs are there are four classes of those drugs that are commonly used and you know the ssris like prozac they predispose to violence and suicide and they're tremendously powerful have you heard of the chemical imbalance in the brain theory uh, of, yeah. yeah yeah okay well that that was invented in the marketing department of a drug company and is not science similarly there are theories about schizophrenia you know ssris in theory is a serotonin deficiency. That's what, what the marketing department says, right? A chemical imbalance, you got to eat the drug and you're fine. Well, it's, it's a powerful and toxic uh, brew that you're putting in inside yourself and tremendously addictive. There is a similar drug to fix yourself. Like you don't need a drug to fix yourself. You can do it. If you really want to fix yourself, you can fix yourself holistically. The, the depression and anxiety are telling you, you'd better do something different. And if you, the, the, you march into a primary care office here and within 15 or 20 minutes, you can march out with a Prozac prescription, even though your symptoms or another SSRI, even though your symptoms have been very brief, even three weeks, they, they've now contracted the standard. So, and they give you a questionnaire, give you a prescription and you have this toxic thing that you're taking that will in general, it'll, in general, it, it has, it has many deleterious effects, but the other, the other classes of these drugs, you know, about the atypical antipsychotics, they shorten well, I, lifespan I, I by 10 to 20 years. And that we pass them out like jelly beans over here. I mean, I don't know what it's like in France. I hope you're a little better. Um, and then we've got, we got 50% of the kids or something in college at the major colleges on amphetamines or amphetamine relatives and those things yeah, have been known. better because uh like um like i i can see the kids they are like um i think the only problem here is smoking because like everybody here is like cigarette <laughs> yeah yeah cigarette. are they vaping over there yeah vaping yeah well That's the only thing uh here drugs isn't so much of a problem i would say but uh yeah, smoking is, even in med school, like when I was in med school, like there were like cigarette butts everywhere in the university on the floor. Well, that's, uh, you know, effects in medicine are measured in a few percent. And we often give drugs based on tiny, tiny results. And I think as a medical student, if I were you, I would look in askance at any anything they claim you uh, claim is true based on a few percent or smaller results. Right. But smoking is not a small number, right? Because a quarter to a third of all fatalities in America are related to smoking. Now that's a big number. That's undeniable. There's nothing, nothing statistically uh, imprecise about that. So it's, it's crazy. The doctors smoke. 
I do not smoke and they also like I felt like they are heavy alcohol drinkers compared to me like because I only can drink like one or two glasses and then I'm like uh like I kind of get tipsy like uh, because I'm not used to the level of alcohol and the volume of alcohol I guess um but I I am not even dependent to those so the these industry industry narratives have promoted both both those things and there was a period in the u.s where maybe it includes up to now where they said up to three drinks you had progressively less mortality right and there's a thing called the french paradox right with which has to do with your smoking and drinking yet lowered mortality than the u.s which is probably unrelated to drinking or smoking smoking certainly can't help but do we, do they have some sort of neurological effect? The um, uh, COVID vaccine? Uh, the smoking? Oh, we know a lot about smoking, and I don't know anything about that. Uh, neurological but, effect. I yeah. mean, it certainly gives you a buzz. I, full disclosure, I got addicted to cigarettes as an adult and smoked for 10 years. I quit about 10 years ago. And I, I was a low-grade smoker, just a couple of cigarettes a day, but I, I don't want to hold myself out as incapable of getting addicted to one of these things. Yes. And for uh, the COVID-19 vaccine, I heard that nanoparticles can also play a role for neurological disorders. We have many neurological disorders reported, right? So it's hard to distinguish causality when you give someone a vaccine, but when they drop dead on the spot, we have to infer causality. So most of the fatalities, for example, are within the first 48 hours. And then the vast bulk of the ones that are thought to be related are within um, seven days. There are reports of hemiparesis. There are reports of severe headaches. There are reports of uh, all kinds of other things. There are Bell's palsy. All these things are definitely causally related to the COVID vaccine. So this is not a benign, it's, it's relatively dangerous. The, the, the really disturbing things are the lung and the brain and the, uh, the, the cardiac problems. Because when you get a cardiomyopathy, most of the time you never recover. And the reason is that cardiac muscles don't regenerate, right? They scar. The lungs, they scar, they don't, it does, we can't produce new delicate lung tissue. Neurological tissue, it scars. Now we have workarounds. I mean, we can still, a lot of people can still think, but if you have had a serious um, neurological problem or cardiac problem or lung problem with COVID, you've compromised your, your health over the long term. I, I, am doubtful about, um, I, I certainly am not of the camp who says that the long-term that this thing's like some sort of bomb that'll go off in you later. I think if, if you've gotten through the first few months, you're probably okay. But I, I certainly wouldn't risk that vaccine again. I mean, it's just, I don't think, I don't think the numbers are likely to work for any age group and they were promoting it originally, as you recall, for people with chronic diseases or older people, but I think the dangers are higher for them. And uh, if I had a chronic disease, I wouldn't risk the vaccine side effects. I'd have the ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, vitamin D and vitamin C. I'd take those along with the zinc and I'd be familiar with the AAPS treatment guide. Um, you know, if, if I got sick, because 
in America, the doctors are sometimes forbidden by the state medical boards to prescribe ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or do any early treatment. Initially, the whole story was leave the patient alone until they get really sick. Now, when are doctors supposed to do that? I mean, it's an outrage. It's, I'm, I'm ashamed of my colleagues. But see, I don't have a dog in the race anymore because I'm retired. So I'm not so courageous. <laughs> but uh, like, I, I think it's a good thing that you actually published those books because like uh, people, a lot of people need to know. And I think, uh, especially in the healthcare sector, a lot of people are like brainwashed that like uh, that the healthcare sector is only doing things for their own good or their own um, good of the people. But there is an even greater good that <laughs> that's out there like coming forward and talking about this, educating the people that these stuff are happening. Yeah, it's, I got to remind the, your listeners that despite my sophistication and my study, I only started to understand the COVID three months ago. I only sort of became fully aware of all these problems three months ago. So I don't throw stones at anyone who doesn't understand it. I try to encourage them to look at these links and I can't even get my kids to do that. I'm going to see, have them over for Thanksgiving. And I think that uh, I'm going to make them sit, sit through one of these things for an hour. That's a good thing. I think you're a good parent because uh, you know, like, it's kind of weird because I was doing that with uh, my whole family. Yeah, like, you know what you got to do is you got to put them in a car and go on a road trip and turn on the turn on the thing so they have to listen. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I felt like I was doing that and somehow I convinced them not to take the vaccine. Um, I convinced like everyone in my family, like my mom, my dad, my brother and my sister. So they're all okay. And we can adapt to everything that's happening around us. One of my closest friends had a massive stroke uh, several weeks after the COVID vaccine. And, you know, to this day, his children and everybody around him claims that it was coincidental. But this guy was in perfect health and thrombotic events are legion with the COVID vaccine. I mean, that's what that's what they're all talking about. Um, so, you know. I mean, he basically ruined himself. He can't talk, really. And uh, also, uh, you can send me the links, and I will put the State of Nations document as Dr. Brian uh, Ardis also listed the dangers of the vaccine. And he also um, uh, kind of uh, listed the kind of immunological impacts uh, uh, on the vaccine for educational purposes. Very nice. And if you're interested, we'll get together for more uh, after you've uh, gone through Butchered by Healthcare. Yes. I, which I, you can get at my website. You can, uh, robertyohoauthor.com. Sorry about the little uh, advertisement. And you can obviously get this on Amazon and any other book platform. Yes, I will. I will definitely do it. And uh, we will come again for uh, to talk about other topics. Like I'm really interested in this to get it out there because it was really hard for me to find a doctor who was actually willing to talk about these things. Everybody was hiding behind, let's say, the curtain. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for your compliments. And again, I'm not so courageous because I'm retired. <laughs> they can't, they can't get, they can, I don't think they could deplatform de me because I'm 68. I don't, I've never had a Twitter account and I, I, you know, I don't really have a Facebook or anything else. They oh. can make fun of me. <laughs>
Yeah, because the thing is that like uh, the people who actually think are the people who are different from the rest of the system. Well, I, everything I say is derivative, right? That means that it's all referenced. I have 500 references in Butchered by Healthcare as links in the ebook, which is like four bucks. So uh, it's not a big thing to, and you can download, you can listen to the audio of either book, half of it on my website, robertyohoauthor.com for free. So that's for the, the audio uh, I'm more of a, like a, a book person. Uh, like I prefer the book in front of me. Sure. Because so, then I can like write notes and do stuff. And <laughs> I'm still old fashioned. <laughs> well, uh, thanks. Thanks again for having me on your podcast and, uh, and I'll email you the uh, show notes and we'll uh, chat soon. Yes. Thank you for listening to another episode make sure you subscribe and recommend it to all your friends and um, i'm going to put links below so you can even do your own research and i would recommend doing these things because these people are doctors who are trying to spread out the truth that is coming out uh, a lot of uh, medical students are losing something called autonomy and they carry this as doctors and they kind of behave like um, they're obeying the orders of the people who are high above the hierarchy instead of like um, being brave and actually giving their points of views. Yes, they're, uh, they are kind of uh, they're losing their jobs because of that. But it's still the truth and the public should know. And therefore, I have uh, mentioned all the links below so you will get the whole story. I am your host, Rashni Hevawasam, and I am signing out. I hope you enjoy this episode.